I'm going to talk about what is referred to as the gospel of the kingdom. Y'all have heard about the gospel of salvation. Y'all have heard about the gospel of uh, the church. Um, and, <clears throat> and all of these things find their grounding in something that is like an umbrella that houses every spiritual thing and everything about God. And that is the kingdom of God. So <clears throat> when we look at the world and we see its, you know, its struggles, its brokenness, and it often reveals our own inadequacies to us, right? And that's why it's so scary, because we understand intrinsically that we cannot fix this world. We try our best, but we know that, hey, you know, at the end of the day, this world is broken for a reason, and we're it. <laughs> to heal this world, you're probably going to have to take us out of it, because we are broken. We are, we are not perfect beings. And a lot of what we see, and most of what we see, in, in, in fact, that happens on earth is by, by virtue of human decisions, human actions, right? And apart from things like, you know, natural disasters, which has a, <coughs> a, <coughs> a different origin, um, and, and that origin being the broken actual physical world that we're living in. <coughs> Some insurance companies call it acts of God, but let me tell you, God has nothing to do with it. <coughs> it's just this world that is under a broken um, condition that things don't fire correctly when it's supposed to do, and that's causing a whole lot of havoc in the world. And <coughs> it's all a result of actually human interaction with the earth. And we're going to look at today just a little bit about all what I'm, what I'm mentioning today to help us come to this one understanding that God's kingdom is the ultimate message that Jesus came to bring. And because his kingdom, uh, Jesus preached his kingdom, it changes slightly how we approach faith. It's not just about belief. And we're going to look at that for a little bit today. Despite the reality, though, of the world that we live in, I want to tell you that there is a lot of hope. Because not only is there a God who truly cares for us, this God heals our brokenness. He is not aloof. He's not distant. He's actually actively involved in our lives. He heals our brokenness. And not only does he heal us, he also gives us the power to actually bring transformation to this chaotic world. As overcomers and as influencers. And I believe this was the original message that Jesus preached. It wasn't a message about sin, which sometimes you hear a lot of people talking about a lot of sin. It wasn't a message about church. It wasn't a message about different denominations and who's right and which one brings you to heaven and which one don't. Jesus never even mentioned any of these things. Jesus' message was, was about a kingdom that would be established on earth that will enforce God's will and God's way on this planet. And we understand from the rest of Scripture what God's will and God's way is, the fact of salvation of mankind, the fact that He desires us to walk according to His principles and precepts. That is His will and His way. But ultimately, if we don't understand the uber concept of the kingdom, 
we will be drifting and other things become central and you start focusing on messages that really wasn't supposed to be the central message and the central advance cree of of the church God's intention was always a kingdom that saves us and then through us takes dominion over this planet. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. So it's called the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, just so I can <laughs> somewhere preach about other things, I want to explain this as well. We're going to preach about other topics. We, do, we have been preaching about a whole lot of topics. But all the topics that we preach on are effectively under categories of the kingdom of God. It talks about the nature of the kingdom of God, the character of the kingdom of God. It talks about the, the, the practices of the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom of God. And every time we, we, we speak and in, 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 at least in our church, we talk about discipleship, we talk about spiritual growth and moving on to maturity, we talk about serving God in our workplaces. All of that falls under this intention of God wanting His kingdom to come and rule. Because where His kingdom rules, order is established. You see the pattern in Genesis, in the creation account, and doesn't matter what you believe about that account, the fact is that it shows how God brings order out of chaos. Where God's will and God's ways comes and enforces on this physical matter that we call earth, it creates order out of chaos. If you need a little order in your life right now, what you need is you need the kingdom of God. You need God's way and God's will to come and preside over your doings, right? And so we've spoke about a lot of topics, but they're all basically a part of this idea of the kingdom of God. Sometimes messages become a distraction and they become so much of a focus that they literally skew us away from the original intention and the original uh, 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 um, direction, if I, can, if, I can, if I can call it like that. And so when I was writing <laughs> this, I, I misspelled a word. And it just really helped me. <laughs> it showed me how misconstrued sometimes we get. I said, God heals our brokenness. But when I spelt it, I wrote, literally wrote brokenness, right? <laughs> and I thought to myself, is it, was it that a message that for a good decade just dominated the church's mindset? It's all about prosperity and all about money. And even though in the kingdom of God, there is a place to talk about, but God's perspective of it, which truly and actually is more an attitude of generosity than it is prosperity. Um, the church got so sidetracked with this for a while that it li we literally lost our mission. We lost the fact that there were people going to hell and we weren't really preaching the gospel of the kingdom that shows them how to, how to make their lives right with God. We only talked about this. And so it is so easy that one of these subcategories can become the central message. And when it does, it literally redirects our intentions away from the true intention of God's kingdom, which is to come and uh, reach the objectives of salvation and creating the kind of order that he wants to create in this world. So we will talk again in the future about other messages, but what I would love for you to understand is that this here, this is the main message that Jesus came to bring. Jesus did not come to, uh, to, to talk about church and to talk about religion. He came to talk about his kingdom. 
He came to talk about how he will restore the right things on earth, how he will correct what we have broken. So let's look at some scripture references. Mark 1 verse 14 to 15 says the following. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now the word gospel is literally a word that just means glad tiding. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a proclamation of hope. That's what it is. And they can be gospels of any kind of thing, you know. Um, and we've been told a lot about the gospel of salvation, right? How you get saved. But what we didn't realize was that that wasn't the actual intention, only intention. It was almost a part of the bigger intention, which was for Christians to not just be saved so that they one day can go to heaven, but actually Christians can step into the original order that God created when he created man. That was God's intention. He wanted us to restore that place we had in him so that we might continue the original job that he gave humankind. And that was to cultivate this world according to his pattern, to develop this world, to, 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 um, to advance technology, and to, but all for the purposes of reproducing the pattern of his kingdom on this physical real estate. God had an incredible moment in humanity's history where everything worked according to his design and his intention. And from that we see some important things that we need to heed because it is relevant to where we are now, now that we have made ourselves submitted again to God's rule and God's kingdom. So Jesus brought a new proclamation. The kingdom of God is at hand. In Luke 4, 43, he says this again. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities too also because it's for this purpose that I have been sent. Now we know that the Bible says that Jesus also said I came to seek and save the lost. But we need to take into consideration that his first message, how he brought it forth, was not just to tell him, look, I want to come and save you. It was to tell him first and foremost, I'm coming in to rule, and I want you to join me, because that's your original place. Jesus sent his disciples out to preach the exact same message. In Luke 9, 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And immediately, yeah, we see something that's quite different from what we're used to. Not just preach salvation, but actually bring healing change a physical reality from something that was contrary to the kingdom of God to something that is aligned with the kingdom of God. That says something different about this kingdom and this message that Jesus brought. It was not just a message that meant spiritual realities. It was a message that was grounded in real life situations that was meant to bring solutions to our very struggles that we face here on earth. Not just a hope for a future, but a faith for change now. So let's look at just basic understanding of what is a kingdom itself. Well, in fact, a kingdom is, can be described as just a rulership domain. 
It's where a king has the power to define purpose. It's the realm in which he can define the purpose, set laws, install leadership. Think of a natural, just a kingdom. And deploy its inhabitants, reward those who are faithfully serving, and punish those who rebel. That's my understanding of a kingdom. It's the place where God rules. It's the place where his word become the law that is, that is uh, applied to all those who are inside his kingdom. So the kingdom of God, really, and I've said this before, it's actually not a religion. It's actually a government. It's a heavenly rulership, a heavenly government that is on earth now and is serving out God's principles and God's plans for this world. So in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the Bible says, The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. You see, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He told them to go and confront reality. He didn't tell them to go and hide from reality. He told them to go and actually fight how things are currently done and declare that there's a different power, there's a different will, there's a different authority that is coming to set things straight. And he sent his disciples out to do that. And this, by the way, he did before they were even born again, right? They were still just trying to figure out who is this new Messiah and why is his message so radically different from the current day religious leaders that they knew so the kingdom of god is god's government it's his rulership it's the place the realm where he gets to define the purpose of it where he gets to set laws install leadership and where he gets to deploy his citizens and those who comply and serve faithfully are rewarded and those who rebel are punished James, we just went through a whole book of James, said it's not enough for us to just believe these things. We have to live them out. Because the kingdom of God was never meant to just be something that we thought about, we talked about. No, it was meant to bring a confrontation to our reality and starts bringing change. It was meant to usher in a new authority, a new demand for things to happen in a way that they never used to happen because God's will wasn't being obeyed. It's not just about belief. It's about living and acting out in a different authority that brings change, not only to my life, but to my life around me. So many of us grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and had no clue what we were saying. What you were in fact inviting was God's authority to come and oppose how things are currently done until such a change happens that order is created, kingdom order is created. Therefore, each and every one of us not only have received salvation, but we've received authority to act on behalf of this kingdom. When you read the Bible and you read the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, many of us just think that. We think, oh, it's heaven. It's one day. But we should really think of God's corporate agenda for earth. That's what we should really think of when you hear and when you see the word kingdom. It's God's agenda for this place here. 
It's God's agenda for my life. It's God's agenda for my neighbor, for my community, etc. We think of the kingdom of someday, but unfortunately, if we just think of it as someday, we will fail to bring and to oppose the current day to try and bring God's order into it. In other words, we become completely complacent with our surroundings and we just go, well, hope God fixes this one day. Even if we think of the kingdom as just being coming to church and believing in Jesus, we actually stop short of believing for the transformation of our world. But let me say this, when, God kingdoms, when God's kingdom comes, it transforms us, our families, our communities, and eventually our world. And that is the desire of God, to bring His order into this world. And through His order, people will be reinstated back to their original order, which is salvation. Being in right standing with God, righteousness. I've got a little graphic up there. Show me the next one. It says, who wants change? Everybody's hands go up. Who wants to change? Nobody says, who wants to lead change? (laughs) Unfortunately, that is the, the state of the church in many ways. We want to be comfortable just coming to church and just, just, just dusting off our, you know, our consciences and just feel good because we performed a religious duty, but we have no actual clue what the purpose of this, this act that we're performing here is for. You see, this forms part of a greater, um, a, a greater plan, a greater strategy that each and every one of us sitting here would realize the authority that's been given to us to affect God's kingdom change in our world. This here is not for soothing conscience. Jesus soothed conscience when he said to you, there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to perform religious acts to, to soothe your conscience. Your conscience is dealt with in Christ. No, this is to, has to be for something different. Somewhere in the Bible, I didn't include that scripture, it says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? It means that we are meant to worship God. That's one of the reasons why we are here. We are here to worship God. Let me tell you, some people might think that the singing part is just how we start the service. No, 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 no. It's fundamentally how we are to act within this service. This is a worship service. Don't shy away from worship. This is part of the purpose of us coming together in his kingdom is to glorify and honor him. Worship is our, um, it's one of our first duties as kingdom citizens. But the second thing is we come to be equipped. We come to be empowered. We come to be corrected, to be trained so that our minds will transform. So we'll start seeing ourselves first and foremost differently. And secondly, being able to look at my world differently and to see how God's order is needed. And me being the middle man says, Lord, use me. Use me to do it. I'm willing. I'll put my hand up. So I want to talk about expanding the kingdom of God as Christians because I believe it is, um, 
if we understand the kingdom of God and the need for it to go across the whole earth and, and we'll understand where the doctrines come in and, and we'll understand why we need power from on high because if you're going to have confrontation with demons and sickness and calamity and brokenness, my goodness, we need power a little bit more than what I have internally. And so it's not just optional to have the power of the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. No, it's absolutely crucial. You cannot confront a demon if you do not have that. You cannot affect change if you do not have the Holy Spirit's power inside of you. It is absolutely necessary. But we start understanding why he is why the Bible asks of us what, he, what it asks of us when we start realizing that this is not, we're not here to play church. We're here to transform society. We're here to bring change. We're here to save lives. And I need to be involved in that. I need to be a part of that. In order to be a part of that, I need to grow some skills, y'all. I need to learn how to talk to people. I need to learn how to, how to, how to serve people. I need to learn how to discern. And all of those things start making sense when we understand the true mission, which is the kingdom's expansion on earth. Okay? So why earth? Let's talk about a couple of things we have to understand. If we're going to take our part in expanding the kingdom of God, first thing is that the whole earth belongs to the Lord. The whole earth belongs to the Lord. That means your business belongs to the Lord. Your company belongs to the Lord. The whole earth belongs to the Lord. Our government belongs to the Lord. The systems of this world belongs to the Lord. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God here literally denotes a self-existing one. A self-sufficient one. A being that needs nothing to exist. It is self-existent. It is self-sufficient. So the word God there is not necessarily a name, but rather the description of his being. And it says there that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And, and when you study the original languages, you see three things right there that we mustn't miss. First thing is there is a beginning. There is time. There is the heavens, and when it talks about heavens, it really literally talks about expanse or space. And then there is matter. There's different kinds of matter. It's not just the earth, but the earth was one of it. One of the, the, uh, the m- I don't want to go into the science of this, but basically he created the earth. He created matter. And so some people struggle with this thing. Well, where did God come from? Who made God? You ever thought about that? And here's what I'd like to, to submit to you is that the fact that we, <laughs> we try to measure or understand God by the concepts that he has created leaves us unable to grasp his existence. Nothing made God because God created the concept creation well since when does God exist no we don't understand that there was no such thing as time until God initiated it 
God is outside of these concepts. In fact, time, space, and matter exists within Him. He does not exist within it, even though He participates in it. And so you cannot ask, where does God come from? Because God created space. He created where? You cannot ask, when did God start to exist? Because God created when? He created time. And we cannot wonder about, okay, but, 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 but what is God and, 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 and how does He exist? Because God created all physical matter. So the Bible does explain that to us by just saying, look, God is spirit. And that's the closest thing we can understand. But really what it, what, what, what it's trying to communicate to us is that everything that was created exists in God. And so it's futile to ask the question, where does it come from? Because it does not make sense in his existence. You see, he created when, he created where, and he created what? And all of those things exist within him. And because everything exists in him, and he is the origin of everything, the initiator of everything, literally everything belongs to him. And because it belongs to him, it is within his realm of dominion. He gets to define it. He gets to say how it works. He gets to set the limits of it. He gets to put the stars in place like, like we read in the Bible. He gets to define the laws of nature. He gets to, and, 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 and thinking of the laws of nature will just absolutely blow your mind if you start studying deeply enough how absolutely uh, 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 finally the universe's laws of nature had to be tuned all in relation to one another to create a habitat that is even able to accommodate life. And none of these things can be taken away and you still have a little bit of life. If you had, if you had three out of, out of uh, seven out of ten of these conditions in place, then life could begin and it would d develop the rest. No, it's, it's like... 10 out of 10 is the minimum standard necessary for it even to be able to start. Think of all the laws of nature. If even one of them was just an, a teeny bit off, it would throw the whole system in such a tailspin that life would not be able to exist. And so we understand from that that there had to have been an intelligent mind behind the creation. It couldn't have come by, but just random chance creations that slowly but surely developed because you had to have everything in place for anything to happen. Somebody had to set that in place for anything to even be possible from the beginning. This universe belongs to God. He gets to define it, and He set it in place in the way that it is operating right now. That means that He gets to define the purpose of it. And we get to discover that purpose. And science is the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, 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 discipline of discovering what God has placed in nature and how it works together. And it all just glorifies God if we understand it correctly. First Chronicles 29 verse 11 says, The Lord 
Yours, sorry, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor of everything in heaven and earth. It is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over it all. The first thing we have to understand is that everything belongs to the Lord. So you do not need permission to contend for the kingdom of God's will and way wherever you are. You do not need man's permission for any of this. You have the creator of all of this giving us permission to step out with his kingdom's agenda and go and influence and go and bid for his purposes. Second thing, mankind was given two very, very dear things. The first was a relationship with God and the second was responsibility of earth. So many times we, we run over this little scripture here and we don't understand uh, and recognize the implications of it. Genesis 1.26 said the following, Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish and the, 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 the animals and the cattle and everything. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. The reason why God made us in His image and according to His likeness so that they would be able to, so that we would be able to have connection with Him. No animal has a connection with God. Are there animals in heaven? I'm sure there are. Will Poopy be in heaven? I don't know. That was the best animal name I could come up in the moment, all right? Shut up. <laughs> Let me be. <laughs> almost said Chucky, but Chuck says, yeah, I can't, I can't take his name in vain like that. I don't know if your dog will be in heaven. My guess is, close your kids' ears, my guess is no. Because they were not created in the image of God according to his likeness so that there would be a possibility of a connection with him. But we were, y'all. And because, so God created us that way because he desired us to be able to connect with him. He wanted us to have relationship with him. But then the next part it says, and let them have dominion. It's a massive, like a massive shift in God's approach to creation up until then. Up until then, he was the authority. It said, let him, he said, let there be light. And there was light. Every single word that God said was law. And it happened. Up till then, God was the absolute ruler. And nothing happened that he did not want to happen. And it happened exactly the way he wanted it. And when, by the end of it, he declared everything to be, to be good. Very good. And then God says, let us make man. And let them have dominion. And right there, God instates man as an authority on earth. And God does not say in that minute, let us. I mean, he already said let us make, right? So why would he not say it us if he didn't mean us? Let us make, but let them have dominion. God says, y'all know what? I gave this to you. This is your gift. I want you to cultivate this earth. I want you to, 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 to make something beautiful of this earth. 
I'm giving you the opportunity to take what I have started here in the garden and to expand it over the whole earth. Like I did with creation, creating something beautiful. I'm giving you the ability and the authority to take our nature that I've shared with you, and I'm giving you creative space and creative license to go and expand, to go and explore, to go on an adventure and try and see how you can, you can take what we are talking about, what I've shown you, and duplicate it on earth and make earth look as beautiful as the pattern that I started for you here in creation first and foremost and in the Garden of Eden. God wanted through this relationship that man would take responsibility of the earth and make it beautiful cultivate it let it thrive prosper it expand on it grow more humans and 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 have all of them be in this beautiful relationship with god and carry this amazing responsibility of making basically the relationship the family that's forming and the family that is ruled by god become the defining factor for how things will look on earth. It was because of love that God created man. But then he gave him dominion and says to him, you have the responsibility of ruling over this creation. In this account, does God say anything about church? Does he draw any, does he say anything about religion? Does he say anything about a church denomination? <laughs> no, in fact, he's just talking about normal life on earth. He gave them the most incredible conditions to live in. No hurt, no shame, absolute prosperity and freedom, authority and power to explore, to develop, success guaranteed. That is the goodness of God and that is still the intention of God towards humans. We look to the original picture to see God's actual intentions and desire. We can't look in between the pages, between the beginning and the end, and go, oh, no, God didn't want that because, you know, he made Israel. He didn't want us because he made Israel. Or, or, no, 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 we have to go back to the beginning, how he created it at first for us to understand what he wants from us and what he wants for us. And this is the true desire of God toward mankind. That's how he designed it. That's how he intended it. And that is what he wants to restore to us and will restore to us one day. But the beauty of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ is that we get to experience some of it already here on earth if we understand the kingdom of God. So this must have been amazing. must have been free. must have been intriguing, like learning about everything that God had created and the adventure of what lied ahead and it must have been so amazing. It's actually quite astonishing that they got distracted and, uh, and stepped into the trick of the devil. The only thing that I've kind of figured, how I figured was that I think they were in the wrong place. Because if you remember, God said that, hey, there's a tree in the middle of the garden that you should not be eating of. My question is, what the heck were they doing in the middle of the garden? If their job was to cultivate and subdue the earth, shouldn't they have been at the edge of the, of the garden? Shouldn't they have been 
preparing the next piece of ground to, to expand that beauty to, 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 to plant more trees, to, to create more food, to develop more of what was going to be necessary to, you know, um, uh, to sustain the extra life that they were going to be creating. That's where they should have been. And that's what we as Christians, think of the analogy, that's where we should be. We should be on the edges. We should be out there where there is not the kingdom of God yet and contending for it to happen. And if we're constantly just thinking about, oh, just our own comfort, we're moving closer and closer and closer and closer to the middle of the garden where our self-centered needs become more of a lure and leads us to sin, to miss the purpose of God. I tell you what, if you want to learn how to advance and overcome sin in your life, get busy with God's things. The longer you stay trapped in this mentality of, I need to take care of me, I tell you, it's hard to live in that space and overcome the devil. So we know that they messed up and, you know, we are still trying to make sense of life from our broken perspectives until, uh, from then. But what we sometimes miss is that we miss God's original design. And, 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 and we have to remember that because that tells us about the goodness of God. That tells us about God's heart toward us. And while we're in the middle here struggling and trying to figure things out and staying faithful, that anchors us. That anchors us in the midst of hardship and trial. It anchors us knowing that God is busy restoring me. He, it's a work. It's a progress. Yes, I'm failing many times. But it is ultimately where God is leading me back to my, or the original place I had with him in Adam. God wants us to know today that when our relationship with him is restored, so is our responsibility and the power to bring the kingdom of God into the world. The one comes with the other. First Peter 2 9 says this You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been invited back into his family, a royal family, a governmental family, a governing authority. You have been welcomed back into that family, but it's not just so that you can sit and eat the palace's goodies. It's so that you can be deployed and proclaim the palace's agenda for the outskirts of the kingdom and beyond. You see, it was never God's intention to start a religion to rule us with. Religion dominates people. That was never God's intention. God wanted a royal family to rule with. God wanted a family that he can empower in this world to bring the kingdom of God through his sons and daughters. That's what God wanted. He did not start a, a, a religion. He wanted a family who would spread this this invisible but tangible spiritual kingdom on this world and create order in this world. It was from relationship to rulership, from presence to power, that we might rule and lead 
as co-regents, as co-workers or co-rulers with Christ. As his ambassadors representing the home nation's agenda on the outpost that we've been set in. And that it, through our influence and our, uh, um, and our appeal, the policies of heaven might be adopted in our host nation, which is earth. And through that, the order of heaven might, might fix things and might heal things in our environment. So once again, notice that the whole earth is included in this. It's not about a religion and neither is it ultimately actually about the church. It's about enforcing God's way in the earth. That is the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus rules everywhere. So let me ask you this. <laughs> I, I said to you, that's everywhere spelled family, economy, government, religion, education, media, celebration, sport, everything. That's how you spell everything. Jesus rules everything. And he wants to be involved in everything. We've created such a, a dichotomy. We've created such a split between what we perceive to be sacred and secular. And the minute I step through my company, my workplace, my, I step through those doors, all of a sudden I lose all of my mindset about the kingdom of God because now I have to be professional. And Jesus don't belong here. No, those are the things for the church. Leave church out of this. Let me tell you, that's why the kingdom of God is not equal to church. The kingdom of God is way bigger than church. The kingdom of God includes your business, brand your workplace, and Jesus wants to rule there. It includes everything. And until we as Christians truly understand this, we will stop short of transforming society. We will stop short of letting God change us. Why? Because I'm saved. Why should I change? What else is there to do? My goodness, there's a whole world to save. There is a whole world to change. There is a whole lot of chaos and order that needs to be sorted out. And what does the Bible say? The, the earth, everything is groaning and crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? It's the ones who understand the kingdom of God. Who understands that I'm not just here for salvation one day in the great by and by, but I'm here to bring transformation to my, to my, to my environment. I'm here to make sure that my environment reflects the kingdom of heaven. As you start doing that, your employees start feeling, man, this is the best workplace ever. Their life starts changing. They create stability for them. They can, they can recover from whatever things that they've been struggling with. As you do that, you start seeing how, how people's lives become, peace comes back to them. You start seeing transformation happening. And chaos is replaced with order. And order allows healing for brokenness man y'all this world needs healing we all need healing for our brokenness but until the kingdom of god comes it's going to be a a, a disappointing uh, letdown because it's only where the kingdom of god's pro principles is followed that the kingdom of god's product is produced and your my job is to learn what the kingdom teaches for each of these realms of influence of society. How am I supposed to live as a kingdom citizen in the realm of government, education, business, media, entertainment, sport? How am I supposed to live the, and, and model the kingdom of God, the authority of heaven in this arena? 
so that I might myself mimic him, but I might influence my environment to become and start changing like that as well. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says the following, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Too many Christians are still just serving their own purpose. Still just following their own dreams. And it's because of the, we allow the ideas of the kingdom of this world to tell us what is good and what is proper. Let me tell you, what is good and proper in the kingdom of God is that as Jesus offered himself up for us, that we would do the same and ask him, not Lord, what all can you do for me? But Lord, what is it I can start doing for you? How can I, within my current circumstances, start being an influence for your kingdom? Y'all, this isn't optional. Yes, chapter five. <laughs> it's not optional. This is fundamental understanding of what it means to be a kingdom citizen. I'm not part of a religion, y'all. I couldn't care less what they call me. That's why the disciples weren't all too hung up when they started calling them Christians. In fact, the word Christian was a derogatory term. It's how they mocked the people. First, they were called the people of the way. And then they would start being called Christians. Look, I don't care what they call us. Like people tell, sometimes ask me, what kind of church are you? I want to say, you know, we're just the church of the kingdom of God. But that sounds weird in today's society, so I can't even do that. But they want to put labels on you. They want to, oh, so you're a, you're a pre-millennialist, Pentecostal, apostolic, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, come on, people. You're next to me, somebody who's who's heartbroken, you know what, I'm just going to take care of him while y'all try and figure out labels. I'm just going to love on this person right here and help them see how God's goodness wants to restore their lives back to normal, back to thriving, back to authority, to then go and live in victory and then go on to the next. I don't care about labels. I care about the kingdom of God. Jesus never came to establish this, this thing of you know, the church and how it all, but he did institute a local church government i believe in the local church why because it's the best model of the kingdom of god it has authority it has structure it has leadership that's the kingdom of god don't tell me you're a part of this global body of christ this 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 this, this thing that has nobody's leading it and tell me though no, no jesus is leading this no 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 jesus gave mankind the authority to rule on earth and he uses human structure, redeemed by his grace and his perspective, to guide and govern and lead his kingdom advance on earth. You have to be a part of a local church. You don't have to be a part of this local church, but you have to be part of a local church. I heard, I heard something about heart. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, sometimes people love to listen to. Um, celebrity preachers. Sometimes I do too. Um, and because <laughs> truly they're great preachers. Um, but here's something they're not and can never be. They cannot be your pastor. Let me tell you the l life 
The game of life is won at a local church level. It's won at a local church level. I have myself some favorite celebrity preachers. But if I need a pastor, I go to an obscure person in an obscure town in South Africa to pray for me. Because he knows me. So that celebrity preacher might love you. He doesn't know you. That's why God needs us to be in local churches and why we need to understand the function, the proper structure, the proper uh, position in a local church because it models kingdom structure, kingdom order, kingdom uh, authority. And hopefully you're in a local church. This one we try as much as we can be servant leaders that does not lord anything over anybody, but tries with, with the appeal of Christ and the wisdom of Scripture to, 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 to motivate us to spiritual growth, to motivate us to, to change. So we can eventually get to that place where we will all lead change. But here's the third thing we have to understand. A kingdom has borders and entry is at the king's mercy the problem with the kingdom is that we're not automatically in it we're definitely not in it simply because we were born in a christian family we're definitely not in it simply because we're a member of some denomination See, after Adam and Eve sinned, they were banned from God's holy kingdom, um, which they immediately regretted their action, right? Immediately regretted it. They tried to fix it immediately. Um, and since we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, we carry the same two conditions that they had. Number one, we are excluded from God's kingdom naturally at birth, right? And the second thing is we all desire to be in it. Everybody tries to be good. Everybody hopes it means something. Everybody wants to be on the right side, however they define it. Even those that deny God's existence want to be in some form or way on the right side. That is an indication that inherently inside of you, there is a seed that longs for inclusion in what used to be the right position under God. Romans 3.23 says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 6.23 says, the wages or the penalty or the consequence of our sin is that is death. So Adam and Eve wanted to fix it immediately. They wanted to get back with God. And he said, unfortunately, your acts, remember they try to sow for themselves leaves. It's an indication of religion. All religions try to just do good so that, the, so that they can cover up the, the brokenness that they perceive. The king said, unfortunately, these acts won't make up for your treason because that's what it was. The penalty for treason is death. And unless somebody innocent within the kingdom actually offers himself as a substitute to pay your penalty, you are going to face 
the consequence of that, in, of, that, of that penalty, the consequence of your actions. Unless somebody exonerates you from your own crime by substituting himself for you, you will not be able to enter into this kingdom. No attempt by humanity to be good affords us entry. Remember, entry is at the king's mercy. And he says, goodness, human goodness will never suffice. Never, 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 never. And for some of you, this might be shocking because you have, you have hoped that your life up till now have been a, a balancing act and you have tipped the scale to, to being good enough so that one day maybe, maybe, God will look kindly upon your request to enter. Let me tell you, the best, best, best efforts that you've made, the Bible describes as a filthy rag that is only, only good for throwing away. The Bible is so crystal clear about this point. Your good attempts cannot get you in heaven, cannot gain you entry into the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus came, y'all. Jesus came to create access into the kingdom again. Because no one could enter by their own attempts to be good. And therefore, no access to the kingdom existed. Only by believing that Jesus subbed me out. Y'all know that term? Jesus became a substitute on the cross. Only by believing in what he had did for me can I gain entry back into an innocent substitute had to offer an exchange his life for mine my penalty his freedom Romans 3 verse 24 and 25 says this they received God's approval freely by an act of his kindness through the price Christ Jesus paid to set us free from sin. And God showed that Christ is the throne of mercy where God's approval is given through faith in Christ's blood. This is why it doesn't really matter if you have a beef with Christians. Some people use that as a, an excuse for why they don't want to serve God. Christians are hypocrites. I agree. We all are. We try not to be, but we're not perfect. We make horrible mistakes. But you know what? When we do it, we regret it. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us so bad on the inside. And we suffer with pride so much that we, we so often just neglect to go and admit our mistake let me tell you guys the most beautiful thing for an unsaved person is if you as a Christian can come and admit your mistake and ask him to forgive you don't be afraid to humble yourself in front of a, a non-Christian person or a person that is angry at Christians 
it's okay. You'll be okay. They will see something different in you. But if you're struggling to believe, I want to tell you this, that it is not even an issue if you have beef with Christians. Why? Because it was never about proving moral superiority. Christianity is not a group of people that are trying to prove that we're better than anybody else. And if that was done, it was done mistakenly. It's not a representation of God. It's about the kingdom of God. And God wanting to reinstate humanity back into a relationship with Him and back into authority. It, 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 it doesn't even matter if you have beef with the church. As an institution, God, hope with the church, disappointed, I, want, I don't want, want nothing to do with it anymore. I understand that you're mad at the church, but the message, the gospel of the kingdom is not about the church. The church in her many forms and ways have made many mistakes. But she's on a journey. She's on a journey to be restored because she herself is broken and hurting. But the gospel of the kingdom transcends all of these issues and lets you as a human being know that there used to be an, a place in, Christ, in God that He wants to restore us to. A beautiful place, a place of freedom and no shame, a place of prosperity of soul and, and, and abundance, a place of generosity. There used to be a place of power where we had authority to enact God's will. And that is what he's calling us back into. And the way back into it is through Jesus Christ and believing what he did on the cross more than 2,000 years ago. This message changed my dad's heart. My dad was mad with Christians, mad with the church. Somebody cared to explain the kingdom of God to him and said to him, the kingdom of God is bigger than all of these issues. And if he can put the human side, a, 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 a humanity aside for a second, you will see the purity of God's uh, uh, outreach to man. The purity of God's love and God's intention for mankind. Respond to that. Respond to that. And the Bible says, God will be just. And whenever there is something that needs to be sorted out, justice that needs to be dealt with, God will deal with it. If you were dealt with unjustly by Christians, God will deal with those kids of His. He's a good father. He's not partial. He will convict that person. Like I said, sometimes they should have come and acknowledged and they didn't. That's a mistake. God's intention fully is to bring reconciliation, even if you were, you were wronged. But that's the beauty of this. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, Christ died for us while we were still sinners, and this demonstrates God's love for us. Since Christ's blood has now uh, given us God's approval to enter, we are even more certain that Christ will save us from God's anger the consequence of us sinning. And lastly, Ephesians 2, 4, excuse me, but God is rich in mercy because of His great love for us. We were dead because of our failures, 
but he made us alive together with Christ. It's God's kindness that saved you. God has brought us back to life together with Christ and he has given us a position. He has given us a position and it reads there heaven, but what you should, what you should hear is he has given us a position in his heavenly kingdom, in his heavenly realm. You have become a child of God. And you're part of the family of God that has a plan for this world. Everything belongs to God. If you're a Christian in this place today, you need to know everything belongs to God. Everything. Jesus wants to rule in everything. He wants you to influence wherever you go. He has given you relationship, but He's also given you His responsibility. We can't just, that's why when, when people say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, I go, mm, it's half of it. <laughs> it's a relationship and a responsibility. It's not a religion, absolutely. But it's a kingdom that is found upon relationships, but also a plan to bring God's goodness back into this broken world. And you and I get to be involved in that if we're in the kingdom. Let's all stand and pray. I want to I wanna ask some of you here a question. Can you say with confidence that you are in the kingdom of God? Knowing full well that none of your own efforts will ever, ever be able to, no matter how many of them there are, to gain approval for entry into God's kingdom. What then do I do? How can any person be saved? That's the beauty of Jesus. And why we all have placed our full trust and dependence on Jesus, not on our own goodness, to enter into God's kingdom. And so can you. So can you today. God wants you a part of his kingdom desperately, so desperately that he would become a man himself and die a horrific death on a cross in order to pay a full price, a full penalty for all of us. And here's what we have to do. Acknowledge that we have missed it. Believe in Jesus Christ. And confess that He is our Lord and Savior. It's very easy. It's A, B, C. Acknowledge that I'm not a, a Christian. I am a sinner. I have missed it. I'm outside the kingdom of God. Believe that Jesus died for my sins. And see, confess that He is my Lord and my Savior. The Bible says if you do that, a miracle will take place in your heart and you will be reborn. Which gives the second way of getting to the kingdom of God. It's by birth. That's why we say we're born again. By virtue of God's approval, it is like we have become citizens of His kingdom again. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You for the gospel of the kingdom that has made Christianity make so much more sense to me, God. That has, that has grounded all your, the doctrines in Scripture and the reasons, the why behind 
all of the things that we as Christians are to get into, to, to grow toward, to become mature for, God, that, that your kingdom will come in the earth. And through that, people will be saved and this place will be transformed. Lord, but I pray right now that that would become a reality for us here today. Father, if it just ends up being another talk, Lord God, the kingdom of God isn't manifesting. And so we're praying that your kingdom will come right now in people's hearts. That people will be convinced of you, of your love and your goodness, God. And that they might make a decision today to say yes to getting to know you. To saying yes to accepting you as Lord, as King, as ruler of their lives. Knowing full well the goodness of God. As reflected in these scriptures that we've studied here today. That's speaking to you as a person. If you have yet ever to say, Lord, I believe in you. And I believe what you did on the cross to give me entrance back into your family. If you have yet to make that declaration, I want to invite you to make that declaration here with us today. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody here to join me in that prayer. Even if you've prayed this prayer over and over again. We're going to pray it out loud together. And as we do, you pray that prayer, even if it's for the first time. You pray it sincerely from your own heart. And God will meet you where you're at. You ready? Let's pray it. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. That I'm excluded from your kingdom. Under penalty of death. Lord, I need a Savior. And Jesus, today, I choose to trust what you did. That it paid my penalty. And exonerated me from my crime. So that I may be included again. So I confess today. I believe in you, Jesus. You're the Son of God. And you rose from the dead. To create an entry for me. Father, I believe in you and I accept you as my Father. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come teach me and to lead me in the way of the kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. If this is the first time that you've prayed this prayer, not only did something significant take place on the inside of your heart, which now the Bible says provides a seal for the day of redemption. In other words, it gives us assurance of our salvation. Why? Because I don't have to wait till the end to see if I tip the scales right. I know right now that Jesus tipped the scale. And because I trusted in Him, I'm included in it. Amen. And so that gives you incredible assurance. 
that you walk out here being right with God. And the second thing, that you are now being summoned by the king to report for duty, y'all. Come on. You are given authority to go and contend for his will and his way in the world out there. We would love to walk with you to help you to grow strong in this conviction, to filter through things that you think now, oh, wow, if he's Jesus, if he's Lord of my life, leader of my life, what practices, what cultural issues, things that does he want to address in my heart? We want to walk with y'all in that to help process and to lay the right foundations of this walk with God in your life so that you will know the next steps to take. So in order to do that, we'll need to know that you did this today. So please take one of these things and just little box at the bottom there, I committed my life, uh, committed my life to Jesus. Let's us know that we can contact you and just talk through what comes after this moment. But we want to just say this is the best decision you could have made ever.